Amen. Joey, you ready for your 20 questions? Guess what this is? Horrible event? Okay, let's go, let's go. All right, so you would think that uh, they would have been humbled, these people, after one-fourth of the earth was totally annihilated by war, pestilence, famine, even a horrible wild beast attack. But no, 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 not these people. Then you would uh, expect at least a small change of direction uh, when the earth was totally burned up, the oceans were totally destroyed, but no, Joey, not these people, no sorry. In fact, even after another one-third of the earth's population was totally annihilated and a horde of demons was sent to torture them again and again and again and again for several months, they still wouldn't turn. In fact, it got so bad that these proud, arrogant, foolish people decided to do one of the dumbest things ever. They decided to actually take on God. Can you believe that? Okay, the kings of the earth, the armies that were still left alive after all this annihilation actually gathered their forces together to take one last stand against God. So they pointed their guns, they aimed their weapons, and they stood in total defiance when all of a sudden the Lamb of God ripped open the sky and millions of angels were unleashed upon these rebels. In fact, it was no battle at all. It was actually a bloodbath. The wrath of God had totally been poured out. Their defeat was utterly swift. The leaders of this rebellion were actually thrown alive into the lake of fire, and the rest of them were squashed and popped like giant grapes in a wine press. Wow. In fact, the slaughter was so great that their blood flowed as high as four feet deep for nearly 200 miles. How many guys would say trying to take on God's not a good thing to do? Hello. Okay, the book is Revelation, and of course, the judgment is the battle of Armageddon. Wow, that's really going to happen. It, it even mentions that language there. They were squashed. People were squashed like a grape, and blood flowed everywhere. Now, obviously, with the battle of Armageddon, if you, we're familiar with it, hopefully, uh, you obviously get the picture that God is in heaven, and when these people rebel against him, he's just up there wringing his hand going, oh, no, I hope they stop. I don't really like this. No, he's not doing that at all. He's in full control. Hello, he is God. And what you see is, uh, obviously, the message is here. Listen, God is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't take death and the pleasure of the wicked, the Scripture says. But the reason why he's waiting is what? To give people time to repent. But if you do not repent and you don't turn from your sin, guess what? It's coming, judgment day. God is a God who will judge sin, right? That's what you get when you read the scripture, Old and New Testament, and certainly with the battle of Armageddon. And so the point is this, is what we've been seeing. Well, then you would think that when God warns about a future coming judgment, and that's one of them, the battle of Armageddon, it's really going to happen, that people would stand up and take notes and come to this logical conclusion. Hey, I better get right with God now so I don't suffer the coming future judgment of God then, right? Now, what's the problem? We've been seeing the God of this world, little g, Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe with the lie of evolution, okay? I am firmly convinced that's really what's going on. And so people in our world today know I have a hard time believing that there is a God, but even if they want to flirt with the idea, so to speak, that there is a God, one thing they absolutely refuse to believe in is that God is a God who will judge. But folks, the scripture is clear. He judges plan at once. He's going to do it again. And if a person's not saved, you better get saved right now. And therefore, we're going to hopefully help these people and get equipped, okay? And we're going to continue our study, the witness of creation. And what we're doing is taking a look at different evidences that God's left behind for us, showing he's not just real. That's great news. Praise God, okay? Anybody glad that uh, the news didn't come down the pike and say, hey, God's real, and that was it. And you just get to stare at him, and then go burn in hell. Anybody glad that there's more to it than that? Yeah, the message is he's not just real. It's that we really can have a beautiful, loving, intimate, personal relationship through Jesus Christ with him right now. Isn't that awesome? And, of course, escape his judgment 
in hell, okay? And he's shown us that different ways. And of course, that first evidence was the evidence of an intelligent creation, intelligent design. The second one was the evidence of a young creation. We have not been here for millions and billions of years. The third evidence was the evidence of a special creation. We did not come from an ape. Anybody glad about that? Praise God. We might act like an ape, but you didn't come from an ape, okay? We came from Adam, Okay, is the point there. Uh, evolution, all their mechanisms is a bunch of baloney. And the last seven times we saw the fourth evidence is the evidence of a judge creation. And what we've been looking at is there really was a worldwide flood, i.e., what's that all, what's that translate into? There really was a time when God judged this whole planet because of sin. And we've been seeing, we've been doing our homework. We don't believe that as Christians just because the Bible says so. Not that that's bad. Okay, but we live in a skeptical society. So we did our homework. We've been seeing the last two times was the evidence of a gargantuan boat says so. Okay, and there we saw, based on the evidence, hey, there really was a guy named Noah who really did make this big old giant boat, and him and his family really did survive on it uh, with the animals uh, to survive a flood that was a judgment on sin. Okay, and we saw on the evidence there, with, based on the findings of Noah's Ark, it's all throughout history, even modern times, the feasibility of the Ark, it's just like a modern-day ocean liner, completely seaworthy, and even the skeptical questions that people keep bringing up about the Ark. We took a look at every single one of those, and guess what? If you're honest with the facts... There really was a guy named Noah who really built this big old giant boat, and you could trust the Genesis account. Therefore, what's the conclusion? God said he judges his planet once. Hey, we see the evidence of that. You better pay attention. He's going to do it again. And if you're not saved, you better get saved. And Christian, if you got loved ones, co-workers, neighbors, those divine appointments, the guy at the gas station you keep running into, that's not by chance. God wants you to witness to him because it's only going to be coming from us. The seventh evidence of a judge creation is the evidence of a glorious civilization. I couldn't wait to start pointing this out because once again, I know this is going to come as a surprise. Did you know that evolution is a lie? <laughs> and one of the whole premises of evolution, even in recent history, you don't even have to go back millions and millions of years, okay, is they give you and I the impression that the further you go back in mankind's history, mankind was dumber, right? That's we're, the further you go back, the more you were ape-like we were, they say, dragging our knuckles on the ground, right? How many of you guys realize that? And what they say, they give the impression that it's only until recent history that mankind has this intelligence to do all kinds of neat technological things. The problem is, that's not what the Bible says, okay? Shocker. In fact, what we're going to see is mankind was extremely smart, much more smarter than you and I could ever shake a stick at because they were closer to the first beginnings of the fall of, uh, of mankind, unfortunately, which means sin had not protruded like it has today. We've actually devolved, to use their word, okay, and gotten less intelligent than it was at the beginning. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. We see this in Genesis chapter 4, okay? The further you go back, okay, in biblical history, mankind, man, right from the start, super-duper intelligent. Genesis chapter 4, there was never a time... As you turn there, that mankind was ever an ape-like creature, period, let alone dumb, dra uh, dragging his knuckles on the ground. And as you turn there, you know, the skeptics will say, oh yeah, we have proof. We found that there are uh, cave drawings and crude instruments and things of that nature. Well, come to my house. If you ever see me try to fix something, you're going to see some crude instruments. That happens today, okay? Uh, but, but just, I don't have time to get into it uh, in great detail, but there was, if you think about it from a biblical perspective, it even explains like cave drawings and things of that nature. It has nothing to do with Neanderthal man. And all. We already saw that's a bunch of baloney, okay? But put, put your thinking caps on. According to the Bible, mankind had a restart button. Noah and his family, eight people survived, right? So basically after the flood, you had a Gilligan's Island scenario, 
You couldn't go to the hardware store and buy those tools. What did you have to do in the beginning? You had to make them. And as mankind continues to disperse, each, you know, and then they got at the Tower of Babel, then they all got dispersed again. So guess what? So they had to reinvent them again. And so initially, until you could build something, you had to stay in a cave and things of that nature. Okay? And uh, so that explains it. It has nothing to do with we were ever a bunch of apes ignorant, dragging our knuckles, okay? But let's take a look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. Let's take a look after the fall of man, what was going on, okay? So Cain uh, went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And Cain lay with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. And Cain was then building a what? A city, okay? Just out of the blue, this guy's building a city, okay? And he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad the father of Mahujael, and Mahujael was the father of Methushael, and Methushael was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father, or if you will, inventor, of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all who play the harp and the flute. Zillah also had a son, Tubalcain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. And that's right, who could forget, Tubalcain's sister was Nama. Okay, I don't know if she just gets an honorable mention, I don't know. We won't go there, that's not the point, okay? But according to the Bible, okay, it says the pre-flood civilization, and this is shortly after the fall of mankind, okay? Mankind gets banished out of the garden, and certainly Cain got banished for what he did, killing Abel, okay? But what you see there is this is not a picture of some dumb ape-like creatures dragging their knuckles on the ground, ooh, ooh, uh, uh, ooh, and sitting there saying, hey, Bob, I hope you, you know, hurry up and vent fire, I'm very cold. When's the wheel thing coming along? I'm getting tired of carrying all these brontosaurus burgers, right? That's not at all what you see in the scripture, okay? What does it say? It says, listen, these people, they didn't live in caves. They built cities right out of the blue. There's no caves there. They built cities right out of the blue, okay? On my best day, folks, I couldn't even build a shed, personally, not even a prefab one. Anyway, Brandy's not here. She could verify Okay, uh, then it goes on. I mean, that, that takes some intelligence, right? Uh, one guy named Jubal, he got, put yourself, it's just, the Bible just mentions it there and we just move on. But stop and think about this. The one guy there, Jubal, he invents music. Now think about that. If you have ever played an instrument, it's not just music. He, he's not just, oh, he decided to play an instrument. This guy invents music and invents the instruments to play the music which means he's also inventing the theory of playing music in the first place all in just one day just gets up and does it i can't even decide what restaurant to go to you guys ever do that as couples where do you want to go i don't know where do you want to go I don't know. this guy gets up and invents music that takes some intelligence right next one is the tubal cane and it mentions that he decides to invent just out of the blue metallurgy Okay, to start making complex metal alloys, separating them from various ores, I can't even separate the laundry. <laughs> Once again, go to brandyknowsall.com, her blog, no, whatever. Okay, excuse me? So here's the point. According to the Bible, anyway, the pre-flood civilization was a glorious one, very intelligent one, super-duper intelligent, right from the start, very high-tech. These people were never, as evolution would say, a bunch of dumb apes dragging their knuckles on the ground. Okay, and so this is the question. That's what the Bible says. So once again, let's do our homework. How about you guys? Let's do that. All right. Let's be discerning Christians, and let's see if we can find any evidence uh, that there really was a pre-flood, highly advanced, smart technological society. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at what we find buried in the dirt. 
Okay, and again, Lord willing, in a couple weeks, we're going to see why this doesn't make it on the news, why this isn't basically shown in a lot of museums around the world. It's because there's a cover-up going on. But again, we'll get to that in a little bit. Advanced technology. Okay, you tell me, folks, if ever, based on what we find in the dirt, the further you go back in history, who wins the game? The further you go back in the history, do you find that basically uh, mankind was dumb? Or the further you go back in history, mankind was doing things that we are either just now relearning or we still can't figure out how to do it. But they did. So let's take a look at some of that evidence tonight. First of all, we find ancient computers. Okay? In 1901, an amazing artifact was recovered by sponge divers uh, off the small island just northwest of Crete. And uh, it turned out to be some kind of mechanism composed of many gears and wheels and had writing on the case. Now, that's the rough uh, external of it right there, but they took an x-ray. This is what you can see, very precision Orientated X-ray showed that it was much more complex, contained a sophisticated system of differential gears, okay, uh, that would have made it, quote, the wonder of its age, the supercomputer of its day, which could do multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction. In fact, one of the French professors who examined this uh, artifact said, quote, we are stunned at how dumb those ape-dragging knuckles were. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not what he said. The ingenuity of the who? Ancients. They were building computers long before Bill Gates showed up, folks. Another one said this, it does raise the question, what else were they making at the time? It makes you wonder what they would have achieved if they would have carried on. Listen, direct quote, would they have had a man on the moon by 300 AD? It's like something interrupt their technology in the course that they were going. I wonder what that was. And he says this, quote, it sounds ridiculous, but if they were able to construct something as technically brilliant as this, it's not fantasy. None of this makes sense, folks, unless you read the Bible and take it at face value. There was never a time in the history of mankind that we were a bunch of dumb ape knuckle-draggers, okay? It's a lie, another lie from evolution. We also find ancient batteries. This is pretty cool. Today, batteries can be found in just about any store, obviously, but apparently they've been around for thousands of years. Okay, I'm going to give you one example, and it's well-documented. This is not make-believe. It's called the Baghdad Battery. It was found originally in the ruins of a Parthian village. The device, there's a picture of it there, consists of a five-and-a-half-inch clay vessel with a copper cylinder inside held in place by asphalt. Inside of that was an oxidized iron rod. So when they finally got it and examined the thing, experts concluded, quote, that the device needed only to be filled with an acid or alkaline to produce electricity. So that was the theory. That's what they thought. So they put it to the test. GE Laboratory actually put it to the test, decided to check it out, and here's what they came out with. There's a picture of a replica. They made reproductions of these batteries, filled them with an electrolyte, just something as simple as grape juice. doesn't need to be fancy. And sure enough, guess what happened? That thing actually produced electricity. Can you believe that? Thousands of years ago, folks. This prompted one researcher to state, quote, this requires the history books throughout the world to what? So why don't they? Why don't they rewrite them? Oh, I'm sorry, because it disagrees with evolution. Because they say, in order for their theory to get us to buy into that, that we were dumber the further back we go because we supposedly came from apes. This blows it out of the water, and we're just getting started. Uh, How about ancient springs? This is wild. Thousands of screw-like spiral objects as small as one ten-thousandth of an inch have been found and are still being found today by gold miners in the Ural Mountains in Russia. These metal items are found in depths, according to evolution, that should be 20,000 years old or more. One person stated, quote, contrary to what some commentators believe, however, we do not think that these objects are extraterrestrial in origin. Now, this is the one thing that they will come out with with the guys with the funky hairdos. All right, I got a funky hairdo too, but I'm still hooked on the 80s, okay? I'm just dealing with it. Roll with me. 
All right, but I digress. Anyway, so the guys <laughs> with their funky hairdos uh, on History Channel, this is what they'll do. They'll find some of this technology. They might bring some of this stuff out. But the conclusion, they will not go the direction of the Bible. That the reason why we find high-tech, ancient technology in the dirt is because that's what the Bible says. Mankind was smart, and this is the leftover remnants of a pre-flood ancient high-tech society. They, no, 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 no. So their latest theory is, guess what? UFOs. You guys heard that, right? It's a UFO technology. That's why we find these precision springs, and they, what they were doing was a flyby, and they dumped out their trash, and that... Anything but... The Bible. In fact, the researcher says, no, 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 no. This is the researchers, not me. They said, this did not come from outer space. They said, this is very terrestrial. In other words, it came from here, not from outside. And it's the vestiges of a former high-tech civilization, the evidence of which will become increasing apparent over the coming years. Unless, of course, the Smithsonian continues to have their way. Again, stay tuned, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks. We'll see what the Smithsonian is doing with all this evidence. Uh, ancient spark plugs. While mineral hunting in the mountains of California in 1961, three men found a rock among many others that they thought was just a geode and make a good collection in their shop, right? They had a gem shop. However, they cut the thing open, and an object inside seemed to be made of white porcelain-type material, and in the center was a shaft of shiny metal. That's a picture of it there. The problem, uh, the porcelain um, material was surrounded by a hexagonal casing, and later an x-ray revealed a tiny spring at the end, like a modern-day spark plug. Not necessarily saying it was, but it was, wow, that's kind of like a spark plug. The question is, how in the world could a spark plug-like object get inside a supposed, according to evolution, 500,000-year-old rock? Uh, it can't on a bunch of different levels, okay? But ancient airplanes, okay, well, wait a second, let's put all this together. If the ancient world could come up with ancient computers and ancient batteries and ancient springs and ancient spark plugs, maybe they can come up with ancient airplanes. Was the Wright brothers the first one to discover flight? I don't know. Maybe they could do a lot of things that has been covered up from us for a long time now. Might explain what you see here. Let's take a look at this. In 1965, deep in the dense Colombian rainforest, a team of explorers made an intriguing discovery. Almost a thousand years ago, an ancient people known as the Kumbayan forged these beautiful brooches from gold and copper alloy. At first glance, they appear to be the models of small winged insects. But a second look reveals that there is something highly unusual about these objects. Their design carries anomalies found in no air-breathing creatures in the natural world. As we investigate further, we discover new, unexplained puzzles in the model's design. While all insects have their wings located on the top of their body, this ancient brooch has them at the bottom, a feature found only in modern jet aeroplanes. But there's more. Just like these jets, the brooches have delta-shaped wings. There is a rudder clearly shown and, quite astonishingly, ailerons. All of these features are found on modern aircraft like the Space Shuttle. This golden model has thus left a fascinating mystery. Could this be a model of an aircraft that actually existed? By constructing a 16 to 1 scale model of the artifact, he planned to unravel whether this stunning brooch was more like an insect or a supersonic modern airplane. The results are stunning. 
What was once dismissed as a piece of jewelry modeled as an insect actually flies more like a 21st century aircraft. We know about 20 of, of these similar artifacts and uh, they are something all the same shape and uh, it was quite interesting but we don't know the actual purpose of that. Peter Belting's pioneering research is causing us to reevaluate the accepted story of how mankind conquered the skies. But the true origins of the oldest flying machine may yet prove to be even earlier. In the Temple of Osiris in Egypt, a stunning, some say chilling, discovery was made that has ignited controversy in the scientific world. Inside the temple, the walls are encoded with hieroglyphics over 2,000 years old. Cut with incredible precision into the ancient rock, these images record the secrets of how generations of pharaohs lived and died. While Egyptologist Dr. Ruth Hover was photographing one of the wall panels, she made a startling discovery. There was a lot of rubble at my feet, and it looked to me like it had fallen off and incised in the stone itself of this oldest temple along the Nile were these figures. I think the images are of ancient technology. They appear to duplicate technology that we now have. At the bottom appears to be a depiction of an aircraft with a clearly defined rudder. At the top is a shape clearly identified as a modern-day helicopter. To the right of this is a streamlined water vessel, below which is what appears to be a submarine. These simple images have ignited a fierce debate among Egyptologists and researchers, a debate that challenges all we thought we knew about the ancient Egyptians. Not too bad for those uh, ape dragon knuckles still trying to figure out fire. Folks, I don't know, you know, whatever, but the only way to explain this is you have to go back to the scripture, right? Whether that's actual a helicopter, actual whatever, the technology that we find agrees with the scripture. The further back you go, the much more smarter mankind was. We're only rediscovering things. Uh, today, okay? But let's continue on. Hey, uh, if you're going to fly around an ancient world in an airplane, possibly, then you probably need a map. How many guys would agree? And how many guys would agree, if you're paying attention to that picture, those guys are doing the wrong thing at the wrong time? <laughs> I know you want to smile for that picture, but turn around. Okay, but anyway, let's take a look. Uh, well, that's actually what we find. Scientists have actually discovered uh, a 3D aerial relief map on a giant slab of rock. Uh, it's become, quote, indisputable proof of an ancient high-tech civilization. This map is a real relief map, just like today's modern military would use. It contains civil engineering works. This is a picture right here. Uh, a system of channels with uh, a length of about 7,500 miles. Okay. How, how wide is the United States? About 2,500, something like that? Close to it, 2,000, 22, something like that? Yeah. Interesting. So 7,500 miles miles. It also has many different sizes of dams, some of which are over six miles long, almost two miles deep, and far from the channels are uh, uh, diamond-shaped grounds whose destination is unknown, like it's a city or something you can go to. Then they found numerous inscriptions at first they thought was an old Chinese language, but it turned out to be a hieroglyphic syllabic language of some 
unknown origin. They can't figure it out at this point. And the more map it was studied, I love what this guy said. One professor stated, quote, the more I learn, the more I understand I know nothing. <laughs> and it will continue to make no sense if you believe in evolution. But if you read the scripture, it's like, oh, wow. Those guys were pretty smart uh, back in the pre-flood society. And that's because the longer it was studied, the more mysteries appeared on this thing. In order uh, uh, to create the giant irrigation system that was on this map, uh, they calculated that the people had to move one quadrillion meters, cubic meters of earth. Okay, And this prompted one researcher to state, <clears throat> it makes anything that modern man has accomplished look like a mere scratch. We can only build a small portion of what's on this map. Interesting, okay? And, oh, by the way, according to evolution, this map should be about 120 million years old. I don't think so, on a whole bunch of different levels. And ancient columns, okay? See that guy down there? Look at how big that stonework is. Huge, massive. Stone columns of unbelievable size, they find them all over the world, uh, rivals anything that we modern man could hope to even come close to achieving. One such column is this guy right here. It's called the monolith. It weighs over 2 million pounds. Now, by comparison, uh, the stones used in the Great Pyramid weighed only 100,000 pounds. And we're still trying to figure out how in the world they move those things. This thing is 2 million pounds. And do you see the guy down there for scale? Absolutely huge. One person stated this, forget the ancient airplanes, the ancient helicopters, and the world maps. This alone, of these gigantic stones, okay, obviously made by man, should set the standard, uh, straight the standard line of primitive man to advanced man and then to civilization, scientific dogma on its ear. In other words, what he's saying? These finds right here, if you, if you ignore everything else, blows the live evolution out of the water. There was never a time the further you go back that mankind was dumb. That's what he's saying. These are the guys that examine this stuff. Therefore, uh, there is no way the stone can be explained by the science and history that they teach us in school. He said there are no historical records, although, here's something interesting, the local folks there think it's part of the remains of a pre-flood city that was originally built by Cain after his banishment. Where did I read that before? Genesis chapter 4. But hey, you know those locals, they just live there, what do they know? They haven't been taught evolution. They don't know better. Folks, I don't know about you, but you start looking at the facts, and again, it doesn't take all those, and that's not all of them, okay? I don't have time to get into all the, all the stuff, but uh, it looks like the further you go back, um, it agrees with the biblical account. Mankind was incredibly smart, and there was never a time uh, when we were dragging our knuckles on the ground, right? Evolution is a lie. The second evidence that we really did have a highly advanced, pre-flood, ancient, high-tech civilization is from ancient artifacts, Okay? We just saw some of their technology, and that's not all, that's just some of it. Uh, now we're going to take a look at their artifacts. And let's go back to our scoffing passage, and let's re-examine that. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3-6 through six says this, First of all, you must understand that when is this going to happen? In the last days, our generation. What's going to come on the planet? Scoffers, okay? And what they're going to do is they're going to follow the hard facts of science. Oh, no, 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 it's all about their evil desires. They don't want there to be a God. Okay, and here's what they're going to say. Where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Well, you guys keep telling me about Jesus. He's coming back. He's going to judge this planet. We don't see anything different. Sounds familiar? Last day society. Okay? But they deliberately forget. What's that mean? With all due respect, dumb on purpose. Right? But what are they being dumb on purpose about? That long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters, the world of that time was what? Deluged and destroyed. 
Okay, And we've seen this passage before, but I want to uh, tear it apart uh, dealing now with our context. The Bible clearly says that in the last days, scoffers aren't going to come. They're not just going to come, and they're not just going to mock at the return of Jesus Christ. He says they would be willingly ignorant of the fact, he defined it here, that there used to be a world in the past that does not exist today and was destroyed by a flood, Right? So he didn't just say they were going to be willingly ignorant. He said they're going to be willingly ignorant that there was a world in the past that used to exist, doesn't exist today because it was destroyed by a flood. Okay? Now, stop and think about it. In order, let's flip it around. Let's explore this a little bit more. In order for these people to be willingly ignorant, right? they didn't say just ignorant, they were willingly ignorant. They did this on purpose. In order for you to meet the criteria of being willingly ignorant of information, that implies then there has to be a lot of information around you that shows that this event really happened, and yet you are still choosing to deny it, right? Isn't that logical based on that text? And so let's put that to the test. Do we find any evidence that there really was a pre-flood society that got wiped out uh, by a flood? And of course, if there was, you would think that we would find some of their artifacts, you know, pieces of their civilization somewhere, right? Exactly, and we do, and that's what we're going to see, okay? In fact, what we find is these artifacts oftentimes are buried not just in the dirt, they're buried in coal, which was formed at the flood, by the way, not hundreds of millions of years ago. Let's take a look at that evidence. Coal appears in vast deposits scattered over the continents. It is typically thought that such deposits require many thousands to millions of years to form. Ten feet of plant material is needed to make one foot of coal. Evolutionary geologists teach that most coal deposits are basically a result of peat building up in swamps over millions of years. And since peat accumulates very slowly in modern swamps, long periods of accumulation would be required at modern rates. But forming coal this way has problems. For example, the top and bottom of coal seams are usually flat, and thin layers of mud are often found within coal seams. In the present world, however, roots of plants in the swamp break up the peat layers and mess up any mud layers which might form. Tree trunks especially penetrate the swamp peat, making it very uneven. Apparently, no modern process can explain how coal originated. The flood of the Bible, however, may provide an explanation. In the course of the flood, weeks of unceasing rains eroded away soil and plants, and rising seas and tidal waves destroyed the forests of the world. Some plants would be buried in place, some would be ground up and destroyed. Most, however, probably floated atop the floodwaters until they became waterlogged and sank to the bottom. A continuous rain of sinking plants could produce the thick layers of plant material needed to form coal beds. Undisturbed by growing plants, such layers would have flat lower and upper surfaces. And in between could be undisturbed layers of mud. Bark rubbing off logs would explain coals made of bark. And vertical trees sinking would explain stumps sitting atop coal layers without penetrating them. Both have been observed at Mount St. Helens. 
The flood provides an explanation for the origin of coal, consistent with an earth only thousands of years old. The enormous coal reserves on our planet are a reminder and tribute to a beautiful and bountiful world now lost. Man, somebody better call Channel 8 News. Sonia, you're here. Let's get a news story out. Can you believe that? That's twice in one night we've been lied to by evolution. <laughs> Telling you what. Hey, folks, this, I showed you that video. Not only to, we talked about this a little bit uh, before in our previous studies, but not just to show you the true origins of coal, okay? Uh, certainly, that was not, there, there is no modern explanation. You can't do it according to what they say in the textbooks. It wasn't by peat bogs and trees. And he explained all that. Only again, the flood uh, explains why we have the massive amounts of coal seams uh, around the world, okay? But here's my point in bringing it up tonight, okay? If coal was really formed at the time of the flood, like the evidence seems to suggest, right? Uh, and it was done by a, a mass of swirling amounts of humongous plant remains and things of that nature from a pre-flood society and pre-flood world, okay? Then you would expect that maybe, maybe in these coal seams that were uh, created at the time of the flood would maybe contain in that coal some artifacts, artifacts from the pre-flood society, right? Well, guess what we find? Artifacts from the pre-flood world in coal. Evolution has no explanation for this. Let's take a look at a few of them. First of all, metal cubes. According to evolution, humans weren't even supposed to be around 65 million years ago. And of course, that's their timeline, as we saw before. Uh, let alone have the ability to work with metal, right? Okay, but that doesn't explain why metallic tubes have been dug out of supposed 65 million year old Cretaceous chalk in France. How did they get there? It's obviously man-made. That's the pictures of them there. And it also doesn't explain why in 1885, a block of coal was broken up and uh, a metal cube popped out that was obviously worked by intelligent hands. One person stated, quote, obviously intelligent humans date back much, much further than we realize. These examples should prompt any curious and open-minded scientist to re-examine and rethink the true history of life on Earth. Can I translate that for you? We need to chuck out the books we're being lied to. Okay? That's what he says. There's no way. It blows evolution out of the water. Iron pots. This is the actual photograph of it. In 1912, two employees of the municipal electric plant in Oklahoma came across a solid chunk of coal that was too large for the furnace. So they broke it up with a sledgehammer and out popped this iron pot. Okay, how many of you guys are saying ape didn't make that? Obviously, it's man-made. The coal was near Wilburton, Oklahoma, and according to evolution, should be 300 to 325 million years old. And because they keep thinking about evolution and that just doesn't seem to fit, they just can't seem to solve the mystery. How about it's leftover remnants from a pre-flood civilization? And that's what you expect to find. How about pagan bells? This is the actual picture of it. This is wild. Metal cubes, iron pots, that's not the only thing they find. Some of the artifacts are very exquisite, handmade, made obviously by man. Okay? This is this guy. He's the guy that found it. Let's take a look. So then, what does the fossil record show? Have any pre-flood human artifacts ever been found? The answer seems to be yes. I found this bell in a lump of coal when I was a young person firing a furnace in West Virginia. Uh, I dropped a large lump of coal, and when it broke, there was something sticking out of it. In the next few months, I uh, abstracted this bell. The uh, bell is approximately seven inches, has a pagan god on top, and has an iron clapper, and uh, the bell works very well. And uh, 
Over the uh, period of time, we found out that it's made of both uh, brass and bronze, plus uh, arsenic, sodium, and uh, antimony, which uh, are not found in alloys that we have in the United States today. Historically, this pagan ceremonial bell is described very well by count in Genesis found in 422 that says that Tubalcain was an artificer of brass and iron. And so this quite likely is the pre-flood civilization uh, object and could have been carried over by Noah's flood into the coal. Yeah, but what does he know? He's a wacky Christian. I guess he's ringing that bell. It still works today. Isn't that wild? Got me thinking, you guys ever see that movie 2012? And here comes the wave over the oceans, and there's that Buddhist guy, ding, ding, ringing that bell. Remember that? Joey, how many, do you realize that that really wasn't how it sounded? I'm just making that up. Thank you. Ding, ding. <laughs> anyway, and can you imagine, who, maybe some pagan guy in the pre-flood world was ringing that, praying to his pagan deity, and here comes the wave at Noah's flood. Isn't that wild? And it got buried. And we found it today. Uh, that's not what they find, decorative vases. This was actually in uh, June 1851 in Scientific American. By the way, before evolution, this uh, began to totally dominate, okay, uh, in the early scientific journals, you find a lot of really neat stuff, okay? But then as evolution progressed, they basically shut the stuff out. So you can still find these in scientific journals. You've got to go way back, though, before evolution took over. 1851, Scientific American showed out two parts of a metal vase were dynamited out of what? Solid rock. How to get in solid rock, okay? 15 feet below the surface of Massachusetts. This is a picture of it right here. When the two parts were put together, they formed a bell-shaped base that was four and a half inches high, six and a half inches at the base, two and a half inches at the top, and an eighth inch thick. Uh, the metal was composed of an alloy of zinc and a large portion of silver. On the sides were six flower bouquets inlaid with pure silver, and around the lower part uh, was a vine or wreath also inlaid with silver. Uh, in fact, one person said, quote, the chasing, carving, and inlaying are exquisitely done by some unknown craftsman. Maybe it was Noah's neighbor. <laughs> Should have listened to Noah. Okay, uh, by the way, according to evolution, the rock that this was taken from is supposed to be 100,000 years old. How many guys are saying this is messing up evolution on a whole multitude of levels, right? Big time. Uh, one more, uh, gold jewelry. On June 9th, 1891, Mrs. Culp of Morrisonville, Illinois, was shoveling coal into her kitchen stove when a large lump broke in two and out popped a gold chain from the center. The chain was about 10 inches long, made of eight karat gold, and was uh, being described as, quote, of antique workmanship. The investigators were convinced the chain had not been accidentally dropped into the coal because one portion of the coal was still clinging to the chain. So it came out of the coal. And the part of it still had separated from it bore the impression in the coal of where the chain had been encased. The problem is, according to evolution, this piece of coal should be about 300 million years old. And that makes sense because we all know, you know, earlier mankind was, you know, uh, the bling has been around for all kinds, you know, knuckle dragon. Yeah, but at least they had the bling going. You know what I'm saying? That makes total sense to me. Yeah, whatever. Okay, but anyway, folks, this is the point. You take a look and see what's buried in the dirt. Does not agree with evolution. It agrees with the biblical account. We have been lied to. Shocker, once again, the further you go back in history, the smarter mankind was. We still can't duplicate many of the things that they did back then, but it agrees with the biblical account. They invent music 
out of the blue. Metallurgy, out of the blue. Absolutely amazing. It agrees with the biblical account. But that's not all. The third evidence that we had a pre-flood high-tech society is the evidence of amazing migration, I call it. Amazing migration. Because we're being lied to once again. We're told that it's only until recent time that mankind had the technology to traverse to the different continents on the planet. That's a lie, Tom. That's right, Tom. That's a lie. Uh, we're going to see that in great detail, uh, Lord willing, next time. Okay, Columbus was not the first one here. In fact, you're going to see that cultures went back and forth all over the planet. They had all kinds of technology. We'll see that next time. Also, you would think that there really was a, a pre-flood world that got destroyed by a flood, and we find some of their artifacts buried in coal and rock and in the dirt. Um, obviously, they had cities. We just read Cain built a city. You would think somewhere, somehow, we'd find some evidence of their cities still underwater. We do. We even have actual video footage, but we'll get to that, Lord willing, next week. Ah, the cliffhanger, Joey. Sorry. I know you hate it, but we're here for you. But let's pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest, we've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin 
to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good 
unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in His work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.